Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Andre Owens, the creator and writer of the comic series Bovine League, here to promote issue two coming soon to Kickstarter. Welcome, Andre. Hi, how are you? It's good to meet you. I'm doing well. Nice to meet you as well. But um, outside of my introduction, who is Andre Owens in his own words? Oh, well, Andre Owens is a former cinematographer who turned himself into a, a comic book writer, who then turned himself into a, a screenwriter. So Andre Owens is someone that's been creative his whole life. That would be, I'm a creative, is the best way to describe myself. So how did you go from cinematographer to comic writer to screenplay writer? So how did that all okay. Okay, so when I was a kid, you know, like a lot of like a lot of people, a lot of the same people that do comics and stuff, they did have the same kind of story. You know, you read comics as a kid, and it was something I always read. I made my own comics when I was a child. You know, when I was in middle school and stuff, did the the school newspaper with my own comics. So I was always into making comics. Um, after high school, I wanted to go to art school, but I uh, chickened out. I didn't think my talent was good enough, so I ended up going to film school instead. So I, I went to film school and I became a cinematographer. So I shot, you know, music videos, commercials, you know, all kinds of stuff, low budget feature films, you know, there's all kinds of different things. But um, around the late 90s, what it, what, when you're a cinematographer, you're being creative, but you're not doing your own thing. You know what I mean? So you're doing like, um, you're doing other people's visions. You're bringing other people's visions to life, which is fine. I mean, it's an art form for that. Um, but I wanted to do something of my own. And so I was trying to figure out what can I do? You know, what, what is a creative that I want to do? I'd love to make films, but I, you know, I don't have, I'm not rich, so I can't make my own films just with the budget I had. So I decided I love comics. I'm going to write comics. So this is, the, this is before social media really started. So I you know, put together a team back in the day off of um, a website called digitalwebbing.com. I believe it still exists, um, where I found artists. And I made my first book called Force Galaxia um, in 2006 is when it first came out. So that was an anthology of three different stories within each issue. I made that, I have three issues of that out now, and I've subsequently made uh, six other comics over the years. Um, besides Force Galaxia, there's the Bovine League, which I'm you know, here to talk about, which I'm the most excited about. It's the most fun to write. You know, it's, uh, it's about genetically altered superpowered cows from Switzerland. So, you know, you can do all kinds of puns and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I got the Bovine League. I've got the Milky Way Defense Marines. I've got the Sisters of Power. I've got an autobiographical book that's a slice of life book called The Stone Age about a, uh, a bong store I worked on in Melrose in the late 90s. So I've got a whole bunch of different comics that I, I you know, came up with. Um, so I've been doing, I did that for many years where, you know, I've been doing that for a long time. And then in the mid, around 2016, um, one of my friends, a screenwriter said, uh, I when he came to me and said, hey, that idea you had for a script, let's do it. So me and my friend, Jeff Howard, um, shout out to Jeff, what's up, buddy? Um, we wrote a script called Reparations. Um, um, so we sold, ended up selling it to Sony in 2019. So that was my first uh, major film sale as a screenwriter. So, um, and so reparations is basically about, um, uh, a guy who finds out that his boss is an actual bigot, but has discovered, uh, a cache of Confederate gold under a mountain in Maryland. And he decides he's going to steal the gold first to use it for reparations for black folks. That sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's just that they won't make it yet. You know, I mean, that's, you know, Hollywood's that way, you know, I mean, you gotta, you like, I, you know, I can't say a lot of stuff because I'm on, I'm on strike right now. But you, you sell stuff and then it just doesn't get made. It just sits, you know. And people think like, well, what are you doing? You know, you're a bum. But you know, it's like, no, I'm actually working. You know, I'm actually doing things. I have meetings all the time. It's just that, you know, you just don't, not everything. You don't make a lot of money. You know, that's one of the reasons why we're on strike. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends here in um in Baltimore, Maryland, sold, um, I don't know if it was a script, but I think he sold some writing or like the rights to a book that he or book series that okay. he uh, I didn't know you're in Baltimore. I, I lived in Baltimore for years. 
Yeah, you can't hear my accent. No one people can hear my accent. <laughs> well, maybe not because I'm from I'm from the area, so it just seems normal. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, um, here in Baltimore, I think he sold like the rights to a book that he wrote, a book series to Warner Brothers, and he said more than likely they just kind of like threw it in the vault, but he sold right. it to them. So it's yeah, it's pretty much what you just said. They pretty much just hold on to it and you really don't know what's gonna happen with it. And probably until after it's already been like released or whatever. So right, yeah. It's it's a it's a tough thing. What what's his name, your friend? Um what is this man? His name I don't know is if I knew him. uh Maurice. He goes by okay. Reese. Um, I think Reese, like Reese or something. I don't, I don't, oh no, I don't know him off the top of my head, but um, you know, because the 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 black indie, you know, the black uh, Hollywood is a small area. You know, it's a small it's a small community. You know, I mean, yeah, so, he's still here in um in Baltimore though. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, so back to the bovine league. Um, yeah. You already pretty much mentioned that the bovine league is about genetically. Genetically altered cows who like yeah Switzerland who come pretty much become superheroes. So, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that creative process? So, like, sure, where did the idea come from? Just like I guess from beginning to the end till now. Okay, so yeah, that, well, it's it's interesting. So you know, inspiration comes from everywhere for artists, right? You know, you mm -hmm. can find it, you know, looking at a flower or whatever. So what happened was, I was on vacation in Switzerland many years ago, and when I was there, I bought a coffee mug. And on the coffee mug, it had cows representing each canton or state within Switzerland. And each cow had the colors of that particular state, you know, that particular canton. And, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it. But um, a couple of years later, I've been writing, I'm writing and wherever, working on stuff. I'm thinking, oh, I got to, you know, I want to do something new. You know, what can I do? I want to do something new, something whimsical. And I'm looking at the coffee mug. I'm drinking coffee. And I'm looking at it and I think like, ha ha, I'm going to do a superhero story about uh, cows from Switzerland. And literally, that's where it came from, was buying a coffee mug on vacation and then drinking coffee many years later and actually looking at it and, you know, deciding to make it. So um, from there, you know, what I did was I decided which, you know, there's like 20, I don't know how many cantons were switching, 26 or so, I don't know. And anyway, I chose nine or eight that I wanted to work with that had sounded like interesting names. So I named each character after a canton. And then I gave each character a specific, um, you know, archetypal, archetypal uh, um, a personality. And then, and then after that, it was just, you know, I just, it was just easy to write, you know? So the main thing about the bovine league is, so the adventures of the bovine league are, they're in the pursuit of the, the cosmic udder and the four teats of matter. So, so supposedly in the history, there was a, there was a, um, this, uh, this, uh, um, uh, Viking cow, uh, um, uh, called Adhumla. Ad so I say back in the prelapsarian period, um, you know, before the fall of man, uh, that this, she created this cosmic udder and the four teats of matter to control reality. And the other cow gods back then decided she was too powerful and, and put her down and then spread the four teats of matter across the world and hid the, the cosmic udder. So, you know, fast forward 3,000 years, 4,000 years, however even far in the future this is. And um, the, uh, the bovine league is in possession of the cosmic udder for protection. But there's a mad cow god called Nandi. And now Nandi in history is, uh, is a Lord Shiva's protective cow. He like guards Shiva. He's like sits, you know, uh, outside of Shiva's resonance. Um, but in my world, Nandi has grown tired of just being a protector and has wants power for himself. So he decides he's going to find this cosmic udder and unite the four teats of matter. So the adventures of this um, of this story, this, this story arc, is the bovine league pursuing Nandi to make sure they can buy, get the four teats of matter and the cosmic udder before he can unite them to wreak havoc on the world. So like the adventures take it. So issue issue one, 
um, which you can get in the Kickstarter when you when you you know subscribe one of the tiers. Issue one has the bovine introduces the bovine league, and we see their individual characteristics and everything. Issue two starts us on our adventure. This is what we're doing with this issue, but they go to um, Scotland to face Black Angus, who was um, who is a uh, sorcerer cow. He's a mad sorcerer cow. That's the dictator of Scotland. He has the solid teeth. So they go there in issue two, and that's what they're going to face off with. Issue three, they end up in America in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where they um, hook up with the Holsteins, which is a Fantastic Four-type group of all-women cows, and they, they have an adventure there. Then they go to um, Texas, and they face off with Bushwhacker the Bull and uh, Babe the Blue Ox. They end up in Japan, where they face off with uh, the big the big uh, cow leader of the Kobe, group, the Kobe Beef uh, Syndicate. And then the final adventures takes them to India, where they, uh, where they confront Nandi. So it's a long, like a six issue adventure. I've, you know, um, and so far we've got issue zero, issue one and issue two is what we're, you know, trying to get made now. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it, the Bovine League, it, I guess, stretches out to different uh, real life places and yeah. even like uses real names of places. And yeah. has there ever been an issue or do you feel like, you'll run into one hopefully you won't run into an issue where you're using real places and like using oh, no. Andy, which is like the name of an actual like cow god who was a protector right. you change no i mean every, you know everything every you know what you do with you know right in writing comics all everything is you know when writing anything when you're writing like this um you know it's it's either for satirical purposes or it's by coincidence that you use those names so that's what you just put a disclaimer, like in my book, each disclaimer shows at the beginning shows, you know, it'll say something to the effect of, um, you know, all, all likenesses of all characters and places are either through, uh, you know, either or used for satirical purposes or are through coincidence. So there's really no worries about that. I mean, like, for instance, in my book, um, The Stone Age, which is an autobiographical book um, about the store I worked on. Now, there were several celebrities to come in there. So one of the celebrities was Brad Pitt. So he's in this book. Now, people were afraid I was going to get sued by him, but I've subsequently heard that he's heard of this book and thought it was funny that he was in this book. So, you know, there's, I, you know, there's, unless I was trying to take advantage of someone, you know, take, um, uh, exploit someone, I think you're, you're fine on that level. Mm -hmm. So have you noticed any changes about Bovine League that you weren't expecting or you expect to change um, from, I guess, that you expect to change, uh, I guess, going forward? So like, um the art style storylines changing collaborators like uptick in readership or anything like that yeah well um you know for the bovine league uh, um uh i will stay with the same creative team this guy christian alaminos he does everything he does all the artwork all the coloring he does the lettering so he's a one-man team and he's perfect to work with we get along we've known each other for years he originally worked on a book of mine sisters of power back in the day so i when i was going to do the bovine league i knew he was the artist to do because his style just works perfect for it um, I'm sorry. I lost, what else was your? I'm sorry. The remainder of your question. No. So I was I was asking. Um, have you noticed any changes? Oh yes. Or or do you expect any going forward? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, um, I I have this first story arc scheduled. You know what's going to mm -hmm. happen, and then I and I, but you know, creatively when you're writing, one of the things about writing is when you're creating characters, like you know, on any level when you're writing, I, I imagine novels. I've never written a novel, but you know, characters and plots have a way of taking on their own life. So you may not think you're going to go a certain way. You know, you may have a plan to go a certain way and then things just go a completely different way. Because once you, you know, once you establish a character's uh, personality, you know, they wouldn't react in different, you know, they can only react in certain ways, you know. So, um, you know, like uh, Geneva, for instance, is the altruistic mother of the group. She's the leader. 
So she wouldn't, she's not going to react the way, say, Argyle, who's the hothead of the group, will react, you know. So when you're when you put them in situations, you know, well, she can only do one way, or she only has one choice of being this way, you know, as opposed to someone else. So I I, I think characters you know, take on a life of their own and stories end up taking on a life of the of that, of those characters, even when you intend not to. Like for instance, I wrote, I have a long-term book called Omegan Chronicles that came out last year. Now this was a 20 year in the making book. I've been working as a long graphic novel, it's 226 pages. And it took me 20 years to make it. So it was a long, long time, you know. Um, now over the years, of course, my writing styles changed, my, my beliefs changed, you know, things, you know, I, I learned more and everything. So that book adapted a whole lot you know, through through the years of making it um, and became what it, you know, became what it is. And I imagine the bovine league will be the same way because it's going to stretch out. You know, I'm not a rich man and I, you know, I, I can't afford to keep paying Christian until, you know, to do books every three months. So it takes a year or two to get each book done. So this may be another you know, five, six years until we have these this series complete. So I'm sure in that time, you know, things will happen in reality or something will influence me to change, you know, some of my writing styles or some of the ideas that I was going in with. Mm hmm. It's, it's funny you mentioned how, well, you say you've never written a novel. I've written two. I'm working on my okay. third one right now. And oh, um, you mentioned Geneva, how she's like the mother of the mother of the group. And then in my story, there's a woman named Geneva who was the mother really? of the group. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. What is a small world? My goodness. Geneva is such a, such a name for, a, you know, a maternal yeah. character. Well, I've, I've actually va I've vacationed in Geneva in Switzerland before, you know, so it was one yeah. of the inspirations for that, you know, for the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you say the names are based on the, the yeah. states in Switzerland. Yeah, there's Geneva, there's Zurich, there's uh, St. Gallen, you know, oh. there's all types of different things, Ticino. Yeah, Geneva is actually just the name of my great-grandmother. I guess she's like oh, really? of the family, yeah. There, and is she from Baltimore also, your great-grandmother? Uh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's pretty much from Baltimore. I think their families from, I guess most African-American families are from like the Carolinas, but right. um, yeah, she's from, she was from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, I grew up up, up in Western Maryland, up in a Hagerstown area there, uh, you know, along the Pennsylvania border. So, mm -hmm. and, then I went to, and I went to college there in Towson in Baltimore. So, in Towson? Yeah. I went to school in Frostburg. So oh, okay. Another hour yeah, you know, from Hagerstown. Yeah, I know Frostburg. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, how was the process of collaborating with uh, the other creators on Bovine League? And how did you know they were the right people to work with? I mean, you just you just explained Krishna already, but what about yeah. the other well, well, one of the things, you know, one, I've been doing this such a long time. And one of my skills, one of my, you know, I'm not the greatest writer by any chance, by any means, you know what I mean? I know what, I know my strengths. I know where, where I'm a hack writer about things. But one of my really good strengths is knowing to put the right artist with the right project. You know what I mean? So I, I, I can see art styles and I can see what will work best with the project. Like for instance, the guy that the last artist, I, so for Omegan Chronicles, since it took such a long time to work on it, I worked with probably a dozen artists, five main artists, but different colorists and letterers and you know all kinds of different things like that over the years. But the last artist that worked on it, this guy named Ruli Akbar, he, um, his style is very realistic. So his, you know, his um, art style wouldn't be appropriate for the bovine league because mm -hmm. the bovine league, you know, is it's more fantastical than than he does. A, you know, very realistic art, you know, very structured, realistic art. But his artwork was perfect for my story, Omega Chronicles. 
you know? So it's finding the right artist to, to be the right project. You know, it's my, it's, I think, I think I learned a lot about that when I was a cinematographer, when you learn, you know, you learn how to light things, you learn to be able to look at a scene and be walking through it, you know, read a scene on a paper, talk to a director and be able to walk into the, the set and know where to put the lights. And much of that's the same thing. I'm instinctively good at knowing which artist will be perfect for which project. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I guess that part has gotten easier for you, especially since you, you pretty much used your experience from working as a cinematographer. But yeah. what other aspect of making comics do you believe never gets easier or you hope will as you continue to make them? Well, you know, the, the, I mean, for as a writer, you know, writing, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old joke in the, in the comic book world. The write, a writer will say something like, I love writing comics as opposed to writing screenplays because I can, I can put anything on the comic page. You know, I could have 10,000 men walking through, you know, walking through a scene. And now in that same joke, the artist stabs the writer and says, no, nah, I have to draw that. You know what uh -huh. I mean? So as, as, an art, as a writer, it's easy to do this. As an artist, I think the hardest thing is, for, is the artist. You know, because the artist, when it comes to comics, the artist is the cinematographer and the director. You know, as the writer, I'm the writer and producer, you know, from terms of the film terms. But as, you know, the, the artist is truly the director. He's, you know, he's deciding angles. He's going to put the camera, even if I can suggest, you know, a low angle or high angle, he's still drawing it at the angle he wants at. You know what I mean? Like when I was a cinematographer, I could, yeah, I could be like, oh, I'm going to shoot this at a low angle. I can look through the lens and be like, oh, I, that isn't that shot I wanted. I have to move it. You know, that that's not my responsibility on, on comics. That's his responsibility. Now, now. I, you know, I, there are things that I don't like. Sometimes I'll have changes that I, you know, want him to make or whatever and say like, oh, no, I don't want to do it that way or this way. But most of the time is I give him free leeway because he's the artist, you know, I, I like all the artists I work with and maybe it was coming from, like I said, from film, I trust because film's such a collaborative thing. I trust all the artists I work with because that's who, why I hired them. You know what I mean? I don't micromanage them unless it's something that's they're really way off about something I really didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Outside of working on the Bovine League, how well do you find balance for your life? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being when you become stressed, frustrated, or overwhelmed? Me, I, uh, well, I've learned to meditate as I've gotten older. You know, it's something I think when I was young, my, I, my, my mind wasn't settled enough to be able to sit quietly and mm -hmm. meditate you know, and do that. Um, as I've gotten older, I've learned to meditate. Um, I, I learned to just be, be still. And I think that helps me the most is um you know not you know not being on my phone not watching something not reading a book not you know not act my mind not being active just to let my mind still and once I what I realized once you get to that for lack of a better term serenity um you know your artistic processes clean up you know what I mean like you know like as a child I remember being as a child I could sit at the table and draw you know draw for hours and have 20 different drawings done. Now, as an adult, you look at a blank page, you're like, oh my goodness, because there's so much other stuff you have to, you know, so much other stuff is in your mind. It's yeah. even like writing's that way, you know. For me, writing, if I've if I've started on something and I pick it up again, I can just go ahead. But getting a blank page, and you know, I I, I tend to I tend to write notes and then I write outlines and then I write then I write the script. But you know, having a blank page, even when you have notes and outlines, sometimes it's so hard to begin because you know because you have so many different ways you can go you know what i mean because mm -hmm. those opening those opening lines means well you're you're a, you're, you're a novelist you know how much opening lines mean for your script your, mm -hmm. your novel you know so you, you've got to get it right you know you want to get that opening right and sometimes it's such a struggle yeah yeah yeah. It definitely is i'm at the point where i'm just well i started running um my outlines in panels oh, okay um 
yeah, I just did an interview, like, I think it was last week, and they talked about panels. I was like, I learned how to do panels, because I went to school for graphic design. Oh, okay. So, I was like, I learned how to do panels when I was in school, and that's how we would, like, sketch out our ideas before right. we worked on them. So I was like, I'm going to start doing that, and it actually helps me, I guess, compartmentalize everything, having not having it lined out like this, right. but, like, in in squares almost like a storyboard right. in a way well yeah yeah i mean that's a lot of that's you know i was gonna say it's a lot of writing that people do like i don't do it as much as i used to but i used to take um like no, car, note cards and i know a lot of my friends still do it and you know you write this like actions on the note cards or scenes on the note cards oh. and you just put you place them on the wall that way you can move stuff you know what i mean you can just change something like, oh that, that won't work here but let's move this down here or or vice versa or whatever so yeah i understand that wanting to make stuff in panels like for me Writing comics was which was good for me because you know you're working in panels and comics. You know everything is a you know five panel page, seven panel page, whatever you make your panel, however you want to do it. And for me, learning that technique, um, you know, it's a skill you learn, you know, to make it work really well. So if you read some of my earlier comics, they're very verbose and they're not visually interesting because I'm I'm just too verbose. Now I've learned to be to be more concise in my language and uh, you know make my point a lot better. Um, so you learn, you know, like you said, you learn, you know, like, oh, that's be perfect. Close up here, you know, and then you're like, oh, if it's a close up, so she's going to be saying X, you know, or, or and then he, and then she responds with Y in a wide shot, you know. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, and I, I guess coming from cinematographer, it helps with me too, because I work with directors all the time and making storyboards, you know, and, and creating shot lists, you know, um, for a scene, you know. So that's often, you know, it depends on the director you're working with. Oftentimes, a lot of that, you know, falls on you to find a, to create a, you know, create a shot list for that, for that particular scene mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well andre is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about uh the bovine league that i may have missed as a whole or maybe discuss rewards for potential backers yeah well okay so if you go to the bovine when the bovine league goes live on you know august 1st go to kickstart and look for bovine league uh, number two and there's many different uh reward tiers so there's some reward tiers where it's just uh you get a pdf of the bovine league number two um, there's a reward tier where you get all the bovine league books uh, as a pdf and then there's another reward where you get a PDF, a digital copy of like 15 different, um, you get all of my Hero Unlimited books, which is my company, H-I-R-O-Unlimited.com. Um, you get all of the books there as a digital book, plus five friends books, we're calling it Friends of Hero Unlimited books. So for $15, you end up getting, I think, 18 PDFs. So it's a really good deal. So, it, But at $25, you end up getting the physical copy of um, Bovine League number two, plus all the PDFs. And at 40, you get the catch-up tier. So if, you're, if you've never read any Bovine League, at the $40 level, you'll get uh, physical copies of Bovine League number zero, number one, the new issue number two, and all 15 PDFs. And then it goes on beyond that. There's other, there's other reward tiers at, uh, at um, $100. You'll get um, the Omega Chronicles graphic novel added to that. And at $200, you'll get all of the um, um, physical copies of all of the Hero Unlimited books, plus all the PDFs. And at $500, we have two special tiers. Um, you can get a special Zoom session with the filmmaker, Daryl Lamont Wharton Rigby. He's uh, from Baltimore also. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and he lives in Japan now and he's a filmmaker, but you can be in a one hour, a one hour Zoom session with him. They ask him any questions about indie filmmaking. He's an award-winning filmmaker, made many movies over the years, just a great guy. And then uh, there's also another, uh, where you meet another Hollywood person, a gentleman by the name of Russell Farmarco, who, um, does sound uh, post-production here in Hollywood has worked on hundreds of movies. So he has really good insights in the ins and outs of how Hollywood works and how to get into the, you know, into the studio. So that's all of the rewards that we have set up for the bovine league right now. And of course, if we, if we make our, if we make our a minimum, there will be, um, uh, there will be stretch goals where we'll offer, you know, new posters or something like that to get to the next, next uh, money level. Cool. 
So, um, Andre, where can people find you online and um, what things you have coming out? I know you mentioned before we got started, you're doing a panel at um, San Diego yeah. Comic Con. Yeah, well, this week, I, uh, well, I, I don't know when this will air, maybe probably after this, but I, I'm on a Friday panel at Comic-Con. I've been on panels quite a bit at Comic-Con, at San Diego Comic-Con, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. So now I have a lot of friends, you know, to do it, which actually, which brings me to something I was going to say, let me give a, um, a, a piece of advice to, uh, to uh, people who want to be creative or work in this field um, you know, and, and how to make it, you know. I, I always say there's, there's, um, four things and I've learned over the years. Number one you have to do is perseverance, right? You can't give up. You know what I mean? Because if you give up, you're not going to make it at all. That, you know what I mean? That's just, you can't give up no matter how old you are. I'm an old man. I'm still doing it. I'm still trying because I, I, I want to be creative. I have a lot of ideas still, you know, so you can't give up. Number two, you got to have relationships. You know, you can't be, a, you know, it used to be, you could be a jerk, but I think with the modern era of social media and everything, you, you, you've got to have good relations with the people. You've got to establish relationships. You can't burn bridges because if you burn bridges, people are going to remember you on the, you know, on your way, on the way down, are going to kick you, you know? Mm-hmm. So relationships are very important. And, and, you know, you want someone to remember, like, like when my friend brought me on to do reparations, he remembered me, you know what I mean? Because we had a good relationship. He remembered, Hey, this guy had this idea. Let's work on it together. So relationships. And after you have those two things, the next thing you need is luck, which is opportunity. You know what I mean? And that would, you know, and that, and that, and Lord knows how it's going to come, but you got to be prepared when that, you know, when it happens, when you get the opportunity and the luck happens. And the last thing, you've got all those other three things to make it, you got to have some talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you can be a hack. Like I'm a hack writer, you know, I know, I know my strengths, but, but I have a little talent, you know, I know where my, where my strengths are and I, I lean into them. So if you have those four things together, I think that it helps you, it helps you focus and be more successful as a uh, creative person, no matter what endeavor you, you know, if you want to be a filmmaker, comic uh, artist or whatever, you know, baker or whatever. I think those are the, the steps you need to have to uh, succeed. Yeah, especially, in, I mean, this is coming from someone who's like incredibly impatient is you, I got to have more patience. I think right. this business is teaching me more and more about patience because it's like, you know, me for me, I guess coming from the nine to five whole routine is that when you know when you go out for job interviews, if you don't hear anything within the first two weeks, you pretty much didn't get it. But when you go on auditions, right, entertainment, they probably won't get back to you for like another two months. You know, right. that's that's normal. That's what's well, still it, learning. Well, you know, one of the reasons that writers were on strike is you know, like I said, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a situation of what happens in Hollywood. So. My friend, my writing partner and I came, we had an idea and I can talk about this because it didn't happen. So it's not, you know, the more, we had an idea for a show about um, 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 a dystopic future where uh, the government has taken away all digital technology from kids because the kids had riled up and it started a revolution. And this show was about a pirate DJ who's come out of this, you know, all digital files are lost. So all music's gone. The only thing that's left is old analog stuff and that's basically being suppressed and destroyed. But there's a, a pirate DJ comes along and she decides she's going to start playing old music and she inspires a new revolution. So, I mean, it's more than that. There's more to it than that. Yeah. But the, the point is, we worked on that thing for years. We got, and we got Lionsgate TV behind us. We got Universal Music Group behind us. So we had all the music. We had you know, lined up for all the music to do it, but we couldn't sell it to a streamer. So that's something that happens, you know, and that's like, that was years of work and there was no outcome, mm-hmm. you know? So I understand what you mean. I, you know, it, patience is hard, you know, it's really, it's really difficult, but you know, you're young. So, you know, you, I, you can, you know, 
just stay with it. You know what I mean? I mean, you've written three novels already. You're probably going to have 20 of them in your pocket in the next you know, five or eight years, you know, so. Yeah, it's like I, I can see my future in it. It's just, it's just getting there. That's yeah. the thing for me. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it because it's definitely, you know, I've done the whole nine to five thing and, and you know, I, I just can't really, really do it anymore. I'm just. I know. I, I, believe me, I understand. Jobs. Yeah, I'm just. I understand. Doing, I'm just doing a whole bunch of part-time jobs. Um, you know, I got a big savings, which is holding me up, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I'm just just trying to stick with it. Um, but um, back to you, Andre, where can people find you online? Okay, so you can go to my website, which is Hero Unlimited, which is H-I-R-O unlimited.com. That's where you can find all of my books. You can find Bovine League One and all that stuff there. If you don't want to, you know, come to the Kickstarter, you can go to the uh, website and you can find my books there. So that's my website. Um, you can find me on social media at Redskew, so R-E-D-S-K-E-W, um, or I, my Instagram is uh, red underscore skew. So you can find me either at, at Redskew or at red underscore skew. I'm on thre the new threads at uh, red underscore skew. So you can find me at any of all the socials on that, TikTok or Redskew. So you can find me on any of those socials that way. Okay. Also, um, is there anything you want to mention about the strike? How anyone can support you all, um, writers, actors? Yeah, you know, everybody. The main thing I, I what I, what I, what that would support us is to not complain. You know, to understand that the situation we're in, because I know a lot of people want to think that you know you guys are rich. You know, you're making all this money out there, and you're bitching about you know the right because both the actors and writers are both on strike now. You know, and the, here's the real deal: the average writer makes about thirteen thousand dollars a year. That's average. You know what I mean? That's an average writer. And that's, I know there are people who make a lot of money, but then there's people like me who hasn't, you know, I haven't made any money since 2021 selling anything. So I've been like you, I'm living off of savings. You know, I'm living off of those things. Heck, I'm working at Pizza Hut right now. You know, I'm delivering pizzas because that's, you have to do. You have, like you said, you have to have gigs to, you know, keep you going through. Um, and as for actors, you know, we see all these actors making a lot of money, but the average actor makes about $70,000 a year. You know, I mean, which is seems good in some parts of the country, but in LA, you know, that's nothing. You know, that's it's 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 impossible to basically have a you're mid, you know you're not even really middle class. Um, so you know, and that's an average. So there, you know, you got to think about. It. There's a lot of people not making anything. You know, actors that are working, at, you know, McDonald's or whatever, they make nothing and they're SAG after. I mean, like I just read an article about um the uh, show Orange Is the New Black, the uh, Netflix show that was on about the women's prison. Mm -hmm. And I was reading some of the uh, um, writer or, or the, or the uh, actors that, cause it was a big ensemble talking about, you know, some of the uh, um, residual checks are getting for like three cents, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so the whole system's gotta change. I mean, what happened was the, the system used to be about residuals and stuff like that because you would have a TV show and it would go to syndication and be money that made that way. But when streaming came along, just like with music streaming, you, they're not paying us anything for it. You know, it's like, like um, for one of the problems with the actors, one of the main issues is, is um, well, both writings and actors is the advent of AI. Now, I think AI has its place. I think it's, it's gonna be useful for certain activities. But one of the things they, that's, that uh, producers came to the actors with was they wanted to be able to scan the background, background actors completely face and body, pay them once and be able to use their image for eternity for whatever they wanna use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, so it's like they, the the producers are being unrealistic. The studios are being unrealistic. You know, you're seeing the you see the money that the 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 um you know like Bob Iger at, at, at Disney making you know 240 million dollars and they're claiming poor that they can't pay uh, writers or actors anymore. You know, we mm -hmm. they, we can't get part of the pie. So 
basic basic thing I can ask for people to do is just support us. You know, be patient. You know, be patient with us. The strike's gonna go on for a little while because it, we're we, there's no there's nobody to come along to try to walk walk us through it. You know, in the past, you know, in 1960 there was a strong there was a strong producer came and did it, and in and then in, in 2008 there was another strong producer that came in last writer strike. But there's been no one stepping forward, so it's gonna be a while. So the best thing I can ask people to do is be patient. You know, support us. Don't complain about you know people, you know, that rich Hollywood people because we're all not rich. Yeah, that's like eighty. I think right, it was like eighty-seven percent of you are like are not rich. Pretty much are not rich, right? right. You, know, you know, the other percentage, the other what thirteen percent is is like people like you know Will Smith or Tom Cruise. Exactly. Those are I mean, the people you, that make a lot of money. Right. Not- I mean, you, I mean, you've got actors who you know who are working actors who have to work at like you know Trader Joe's. I mean, that's what happened to um. I don't remember a few years ago. There's actor Jeffrey Owens. Yeah, he, the guy he, he played Alvin from uh, the Cosby yeah, Show. Yeah. yeah, Cosby Show. Yeah, so he was working at Trader Joe's. You know, people try to make fun of him, but it's like, no, that's you know, that's the life that you had lived. You know, you don't get rich you're not, unless you're a name actor. You know, even name actors go broke. You yeah. Know? So uh, it's it, if you're if you're nobody, you know, I have friends that do. Um, I have a good friend that does background work. He does everything. He goes from, I mean, he does all kinds of background work, Star Wars, you know, anything. He does all these that background work. He's always posting all the background work he's in, you know, because he's in, in almost every movie. But like if if the producers had their 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 uh their way, they would scan him once and he would never get paid again. You know, yeah, they would use exactly. him for anything they wanted. So, you know, we've got to stay united, you know, we've got a solidarity. I mean, you know, this is the you know, it's 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 a hot labor summer. You know, because um, I don't know if you know, the Teamsters are about to go on strike against UPS come the end of the month. And if that happens, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to really, I mean, you know, there's only 10,000 of us writers. There's 160,000 actors, but there's like 350,000 UPS drivers, you know. So yeah. that's going to make a lot of difference. One of my coworkers at a part-time job that I work at, he said he works for UPS and he told me like a week ago or so that they were going on strike. So yeah, that's crazy. I'm, I mean, I, I'm non-union, but I hope to right. join the union, both yeah. you know, writers and SAG at some point. Yeah, yeah. In my career. So I'm I'm hoping that, you know, we all get a fair deal and you know, people listening, you know, don't scab and don't cross right. the line and, and don't cross the picket line, please. Just don't yeah, just don't scab. I mean, yeah, I know it's tempting, you know what I mean? Because what I'm seeing is like what the studios are doing now, because no actors are crossing the picket line to go to these premieres, they're approaching cosplayers. And I know it's tempting as a cosplayer, you know, because you, you get publicity and that'll be good mm-hmm. for your, 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 your image, but don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's going to hurt you in the end because at some point you probably are going to want to join the union, but you can't because your right. past work, they saw you cross the picket line. So you're not. Right. People remember, look, you know, you know, LA is a big city. Hollywood's a small town. People remember, uh-huh. you know, like I, I know, look, I, I, you know, I've had friends. Uh, I've had friends who've s- sued directors because they because they they've or sued uh, uh, producers because they've stolen something from a script, and some of those guys get blacklisted after that. You know, they may they may make they may make you know they may make a deal and go out of you know, out of you know, out of out of pocket settlement or whatever, but they'll never work again. You know, mm-hmm. so and then you know when you're when you're you know there's so much there's so much other politics that go on within within you know making anything even strong like. Like I'm a I'm a good friends with a hard director Mike Flanagan. Um, mm-hmm. You know we both went to Towson and we we were friends because of that. Um, he recently posted an art. There was used to post an article about him talking about when he was making the the show Midnight Mass for Netflix. 
you know, even though he's a very successful director who's always doing really good stuff, you know, hunting a hill house, all kind of great things. Um, he still had studio interference, you know, where they were like, no, we need to make this, you know, we need a jump scare moment. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, we need, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to do that, but even with the power you still do. So. Yeah. I remember reading something he posted um, recently about pirating. And then he was like, because DVDs aren't really a thing anymore because right. of residuals that the studios don't want to pay. Right. That's why they were just wiping them completely when they canceled shows from like whatever. I think the Pink Ladies is the one they did, like the yeah, they did the Grease, the new Grease show, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were wiping that completely, and then just yeah. like and then the stuff they did on HBO Max, they wiped it completely. So there's no like way people can watch them now. Right. Hey, they wiped it because they don't want to pay the residuals. Right. So that's just another thing. And he was talking about Mike was talking about um, the DVDs, and he was like, I guess he was against it at first, but he's like now he's for it because. It's not that he'll be paid the residuals, but it's like the people who are fans of the shows right. can watch it. Because it's can like, watch it, can live on. I mean, yeah. if, I mean, look, you know, I love the streaming era. You know, who doesn't love the streaming era where you just click on a button and watch whatever you want to watch? That's great. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there's something that's really missing, you know, from the video store era where there was, you had a, you know, you didn't necessarily go to, you know, I remember, you know, going to several different video stores and each one of them having just a, just such a diverse selection. You know, you can watch like, you know, to find an obscure old movie and say like, you know, not even obscure, but like Terrence Malick's Badlands right mm -hmm. now. I don't know where you can find that streaming. I mean, maybe you can find a streaming somewhere or, you know, or, you know, anything, anything like that. You know, Angels with Dirty Faces from the 30s, the 30s, you know, can you find that? Whereas at the video store, you were able to find those movies, you know, find those things and be knew they were there or buy them, like you said, you know, or, you know, have them as your own possession. Um, that's one of the great, one of the things I kind of regret doing. I got rid of a lot of my DVDs, you know, when digital technology came around. So I no longer possess them. And now I'm, you know, I'm like, well, shit, now I can't watch that movie. Oh, no, I have, I have all of my DVDs. I never have uh, my DVDs. So you're Even smart. People were mad at me, like, why do you still have your DVDs? I'm like, now, now you, now you want to watch now, my movies know. now. Yep. Yeah. You're I absolutely right. DVDs, so. No, you're absolutely right. Now you made, yeah, you made the, the best choice. I just like having physical copies of stuff. So right. I don't have to go looking for it because I don't want to pay five, six dollars to watch an old movie that came out. Right. 30 years ago, you know, and I probably have it on DVD somewhere around the house. So no, I totally understand that. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, because what it is is someone else decided in making a choice of what you, you know, uh, not censoring, but, uh, you know, making a selection of what you can look at, you know, making mm -hmm. a curating what you can do. And it's like, you know, who wants that? You know, I want to watch what I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. That's the good thing. I kept my DVDs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Again, I, I want to thank Andre Owens, the creator and writer of the comic series Bobon Link, for joining us here today to promote issue two coming soon to Kickstarter, August 1st to be exact. All of Andre's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. Again, I'm KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.